You're listening to New Life Washington Podcast. We pray this sermon encourages you and builds up your faith. It's our goal to help you live so that no one misses the grace of God. Enjoy the sermon. So we are in the final part of the book of Jonah today. And man, it has been an awesome series for us to see the heart of God, right? And uh, God's heart is one, as we've seen throughout this, of, of compassion, of patience, of grace. And he showed Jonah and the Ninevites so, so much grace and so, so much love uh, throughout this. But last week was, was an important message because one of the things that we talked about was he talked about God being the God of second chances. How many of you are grateful for that, right? Man, we can put both our hands up because, man, God has been so good to us in the midst of our challenges throughout life, in the midst of our flaws, in the midst of our mess-ups, in the midst of those moments where, man, we just feel like, man, how could God ever use a person like me? Look at what I've done. Look at who I am. And, uh, and God says, hey, I want to use Jonah anyways, even though he just ran away the last two chapters of this book. And he says, hey, Jonah, I'm a God of second chances, and I want to use you to reach the Ninevites. And so I'm grateful for God. God being a God of second chances. And I've heard so many testimonies this week of people that that resonated with. That they said, you know what, I don't think I could volunteer. I don't think I could serve because, man, my, my past is so messed up. How could God ever use a person like me? And that that message of God being a God of second chances resonated with them and spoke to them and that they were able to move forward in their walk with God because they know about God's grace. Well, as we continued that, we talked also about how Jonah, he spoke just a couple of words. He said, hey, uh, this city is going to be destroyed, and that was his sermon, and God used that sermon to get the, uh, the Ninevites to turn back to him. I mean, there was 120,000 people in that city, and all of them turned to God because of the short little message of Jonah. And for those of you out there who have been trying to evangelize, who have been trying to minister, who have been trying to make a difference in somebody's life, and uh, it seems like, man, what if I don't have the words to speak? Know that your words don't have to be perfect in order for you to minister to people. Your imperfect words with God's power makes a big difference. And when you begin to share even imperfect words, God can use those imperfect words to make a big difference in the lives of people. Well, knowing that, we saw that 120,000 Ninevites came to know the Lord, uh, repented, turned to him. And that's where we're going to pick up today in Jonah chapter 4, verse 1. So Jonah preaches, people respond, and then we get here. But to Jonah, this seemed very wrong, and he became angry. He became angry. So this doesn't make sense, right? It's weird because Jonah, his whole job as a prophet is to preach and to get people to respond, right? There's been people throughout Scripture who were prophets who preached for years, and not one person responded, not one person repented. So Jonah has all the success in the world at this, and his response is to be angry. His response is to say, God, I am mad. Why did so many people respond? The weirdest thing ever, but that is his heart. And we're going to figure out why Jonah is so mad. But if we look at the Hebrew and this word angry that's used here, this is piping mad. This is aggressively angry. This is like in the cartoons where steam comes out of somebody's ears, right? Because they're so mad. Jonah is at that level. He is mad at God. He's frustrated. He doesn't know what he's going to do. He's so mad. And I don't know about you, but in this moment, Jonah is mad about a decision that God made. See, I grew up in West Texas. There is not much to do in West Texas besides play sports. 
That's about it, you know. You show up and you play t-ball and, you know, you, uh, you go flag football. And it's just all year round. And that's what you do for entertainment, right? There wasn't a movie theater. There wasn't a whole lot going on. Not a blockbuster, you know, uh, back in those days. Uh, not a whole lot going on. So here we would play sports in order to have fun and parents would get involved. So at times um, we would have who is the most infamous hated person in town were the referees, right? Man, nobody liked those referees, you know? Man, they had to get policemen to walk into their cars. It's like, man, this is a t-ball game. Settle down, okay? My kid was not out at third base. We're going to fight after this because of this, okay? Like, slow down, buddy. This is t-ball, okay? It's going to be all right. He's going to have more bigger and better games for you to deal with, right? But, but people have this complex with decisions that the umpire, that the referee makes at times. And in this moment, Jonah has a problem with the ultimate referee, with the ultimate umpire, and he has a a bad problem with God. And he's frustrated. He wants to chest bump God and say, God, why would you do this? Why would you care about the Ninevites? Why would you love them? And in verse 2, he prays a prayer. And he says, Lord, isn't this what I said? When I was still at home, that is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. So remember, he fled, he ran away from God when God originally gave him the message. And he's saying, God, the whole reason that I ran away is because I knew you were compassionate, I knew you were loving, and I knew you were going to give the Ninevites a second chance if I preached to them. And I didn't want that to happen. I didn't want the Ninevites to come to know you. I didn't want the Ninevites to turn to you. I didn't want any of that. And he's being very honest with God here about the Ninevites and his hatred for them. As we continue, he says, I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. So he's saying, I I know that's you, but, but listen to what's happening here. And this is what can happen to us if we're not careful. Jonah loves that God was merciful to him, but he hates that God's merciful to somebody else. Ooh right? Isn't that, isn't that how it goes sometimes? Hey, teacher, give me mercy, but don't give this other kid mercy when they mess up. Hey, God, give me mercy, forgive me, but so-and-so, man, please kick them in the butt, right? Because, man, I want them to pay for what they did. I want them to pay for how they were mean to me. I want them to pay for how they hurt me. But me, I can hurt people. No big deal. God, forgive me. And Jonah's dealing with this very thing. He doesn't realize that the very mercy that he's received, he's not extending the same mercy to the Ninevites. And he says, now, Lord, take away my life. He gets super dramatic here. He's throwing a fit like a little kid. And he says, now, Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. Wow, Jonah, the prophet, right? Putting his best foot forward here really showing his true colors. But the Lord replied, is it right for you to be angry? And I think this verse here, the way that you read it, tells a lot about what you believe about God. Because you can read this verse like this as you read this passage in an angry voice, in a voice that says, is it right for you to be angry, Jonah? Or you can read this in a different way. And you could read this verse like this. Is it right for you to be angry, Jonah? 
And I want you to know that we've seen throughout this series that God is patient, that he's compassionate, that he's full of grace and he's full of mercy. So which voice do you think he's speaking to Jonah with? With one of grace and compassion and mercy and patience, right? He's not speaking to him in an angry tone here. He's asking a question. He could just say, Jonah, you're dumb, right? You're being dumb, Jonah. Stop it. You're being weird. Be a prophet like I asked you to be. Stop doing this. No. He says, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? He's asking a question. And we see this same method in the, in the uh, ministry of Jesus. He asks questions. And he gets people to think in order to understand what he's trying to teach them. Well, God, with a question here, is trying to teach Jonah something. And he teaches them this through an object lesson. So this is a complicated passage, but I want you to understand what's happening here. So the next part, he says, Jonah had gone out and sat down at a place east of the city, and there he made himself a shelter. He sat in its shade and waited to see what would happen to the city. So what is Jonah doing? Jonah's excited that there's a possibility here that the Ninevites might get destroyed. Weird thing for a prophet to be excited about, okay? But he goes and he finds a spot. He pulls out his popcorn, okay? Pulls out his Reese's Pieces. Gets his big drink over here, right? And he's like, ooh, this is going to be fireworks, right? These people are going down, you know? And he's excited. Wrong attitude to have. And when it doesn't happen, that's when the anger begins to start. That's when Jonah becomes angry That's when Jonah becomes mad at God. So let me ask you this. Do you, as you search your heart, have a heart like Jonah? Are you excited when people are punished? Are you excited when people get what they deserve? Are you excited that people wouldn't receive mercy? Are you excited? Is there any part of you that dislikes people, a certain group of people so much that you want them to receive what they deserve? Think about that. That's having a heart like Jonah. That's having a heart just like Jonah. But we see another heart at play here, and that's the heart of God. And the heart of God is one of mercy and compassion and wants people to respond and wants people to change and wants people to have an opportunity to receive forgiveness. So in verse 6, it says, Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow up over Jonah to give shade to him to ease his discomfort. And Jonah was very happy about the plan. So this is where it gets a little bit different, okay? This is where everybody's like confusing, like what's going on in the book of Jonah? Jonah's angry, God grows a plant over him, and suddenly, right, God gives him a garden hat or something like that, you know? Blocking out the sunlight, and Jonah is sitting there with his little garden hat on, enjoying it, and he says that he's very happy about this plant that God had given him. But at dawn the next day, God provided a worm, which chewed through the plant so that it withered. So plant is gone. Jonah's little hat, no more. And Jonah is sitting there, hot as can be, as you'll see, that when the sun rose, God provided a scorching east wind, and the sun blazed down on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. He wanted to die and said, I would be better for me to die. It would be better for me to die than to live. But once again, God asks a question. And this time he says, Jonah, 
Remember the first question, Jonah, is it right? Is it right for you to be angry? This time he says, Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And what God is saying is, he's saying, Jonah, you did nothing to create this plant. You did nothing for this plant. I created it. I have the right to destroy it or build it. And you did nothing. So do you have the right to be angry about this plant? It is, he said, I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. Man, that is some extreme anger there, right? That's like you're at the supermarket and your kid is throwing a fit on the floor, angry, right? Uh, and, you know, throwing bananas everywhere. Just, just my kids, yeah? I'm so angry, I wish I were dead. But the Lord said, you've been concerned about this plant, though you did not tend it or make it grow. It sprang up overnight and died overnight. And this is what God, this is the lesson that he's trying to teach Jonah. Should I not have concern for the great city of Nineveh, in which there are more than 120,000 people who cannot tell their right hand from their left, and so also many animals? If you're not getting it, this is what God is telling Jonah. Jonah, you care so much about a plant and you care about that plant living or dying, and you're so angry that it's not here anymore, well, there's 120,000 people that I've created, that I love, that I think about, that I want to see turn their heart to me, and you're mad because I didn't destroy them? Jonah, your priorities are out of whack. You care more about your comfort than you care about 120,000 people. And friends, there's so many times in our lives where we care more about our house than we care about people who don't know the Lord. There's so many times in our lives where we care more about our car than we do our next door neighbors. There's so many times in our life where we care more about our stuff and our problems and us than the things that are the very heart of God. And God is telling Jonah, Jonah, I need you to align your heart to mine, to care about the things that I care about. As my prophet and as my spokesperson, you need to care about the things that I care about. And friends, for us, we need to have a heart for the things that God has a heart for. And if you care more about your comfort than you care about people who don't know the Lord yet, there's a problem with our heart. It's not aligned to the heart of God. And if we're going to do what the mission of this series is, to pursue the heart of God, it's to care about the things that God cares about. And who does God care about? God cares about people. He loves people. He wants to extend mercy to people. He wants to extend his love and his compassion and his grace to people. And it's you and I who get to be the people to deliver that message to others. So the question here is, do you have a heart like Jonah or do you have a heart like God? What is your heart like currently? And how can we take steps to align our heart towards the heart of God? How can we begin to do that? Well, here's some practical examples to ask yourself, are you like Jonah or are you like God? Do you care about all people, including those who are hard for you to love? Let's be real. We all got that person in our lives, right? Who's hard to love. Who you just think, man, can you chew any louder, right? That's that's just me. I'm the loud chewer and my wife says, right? I'm the one that's hard to love, right? We have that person, right? And God wants you to love them, and God wants you to care for them despite their flaws. 
the person that we see and we want to go the other way. Let's go the opposite direction as this person. Can you love them? The weird and the socially awkward, those who bother us and get on our nerves, can you love them? Do you have the heart of God to reach them, to care for them, or do you care more about your comfort? The homeless and those who need help, God sees them, God knows them, and God loves them. God cares for them. They matter to him. The Taliban or people groups that make you feel threatened, guess what? The heart of God is to care for them, to see them, come to know the Lord. God loves them. They're part of his mission. And as people who are on mission for God, they should be part of our heart too. How about here? Let's get a little crazy. Republicans and Democrats, (laughs) right? God wants you to love them too. Woo. Get me out of my comfort zone here, Jesse. Taliban was okay, but Republican and a Democrat? No, no way. God is calling us to love people who are different than us, to care about their souls, to care about whether or not they know him, whether they're different from us or not, to have a heart like his, aligned to his, that cares. Those you don't have a name or face to, the irreligious, those people who would say, oh, you're a Christian? I hate Christians. You're to love them too. You're to care about their souls too. So what is it for you? What is that group of people that you're saying, God, everybody but them? I want to see everybody in heaven but that group. I want to see everybody in heaven but that person. Who is that person for you? And what God is doing in this series is he's revealing some prejudices in Jonah's heart. And guess what? You and I have prejudices too. And it's time to lay our prejudices down at the feet of Jesus and say, God, help me to care about that group too. Help me to care about that person too. Help me to have a heart like your heart and to care about the things that you care about. So the things that we're going to do to begin to take a step in that direction is to bow down before the Lord and humble yourself and say, Lord, would you help me to love like you love? Would you help me to see these people through your lens? Would you help me to notice that they're made in your image and that, they, that you care about them so, so much that you think about them every day? And we need to have a heart that says, I want all people to come to know Christ. And today, we need to take a look at our hearts to examine whether or not there's some prejudice there and to lay it down at the feet of Jesus and say, you know what, God, I'm going to align to your heart. I want to see those people come to know the Lord too. Thanks for listening. For more information about New Life Washington, check out our website at newlifeonline.org. God bless.